This is Norman Spockwell bringing you Planet of the Star Treks. And this is Old Scratch. <laughs> I can't decide if Old Scratch is, if I'm intending it to be actually Satan or just like a grumpy cat that hangs out in, in a laundromat. I thought maybe you were a turntablist. I could see someone with like a really hangdog countenance that DJs calling themselves Old Scratch and it working really well. Yeah, like a dude that's had the same leather jacket since 1986. And it used to be really cool, and now it's just the only jacket he has. Well, what's the end game for DJing, right? So you DJ, you're young, you know, you're playing some music and uh, putting together some tracks. You go to clubs, and it just kind of plateaus, right? That's a that is a a terminal career. You, there's not really an, a, a place to go up. It's not like I don't know. Maybe there is. I know there's famous DJs, but all right, let's do this intro. All right. I'm Dave. And I'm Neil. And we're from the Planet of the Meerkats. And today we're going to serenade your souls with a podcast about music. Planet of the Meerkats. You know, before we jump into the to our, our official topics that we're going to talk about, I just wanted to bring up some music that was transformational, transformational for me in my young life. And it was from when we were living together on J Street back in Davis. So this is probably 20 years ago. Every once in a while, all the cats in the area would go into heat and they would sing. And they all sounded like little babies. And it was really disturbing. You'd wake up in the middle of the night or in the morning and there would just be like 100 cats just meowing at you. You'd walk down the path and they would like look at you and, and open their legs up. And it was really disturbing. <laughs> I, don't even know, like, I don't even know what to... What to say about that visual that you've just painted? I thought you were going to play me like Carol of the Meows or something. No, I don't want this ad for Carter's. Get out of here. Can you hear this, Dave? Yeah, I can. Oh, no, I can't hear the Carter's ad, but I think you should leave in your yelling about the ad. <laughs> Is it Carter's like the baby, the baby clothes? Can you not hear Carol of the Meows that I'm playing right now? I can't hear it. Now, I definitely want you to leave that in the podcast. Have you never heard this song before, Guster, Carol of Meows? No, you. I've definitely heard that. You made a Christmas mix for me one year that had that, that song on it. It was amazing. Where has the romance in our relationship gone? I don't ever make you mixtapes anymore. You know, that's that's true. And we wouldn't even have to have like a physical tape. You could just send me like a Spotify playlist or something. Well, guess what you're getting for Christmas. And that's the second time on this podcast that I've promised you a Christmas present. <laughs> <laughs> Will I deliver? Probably not. And that's okay. So, so I'm prepped today. I got my this homemade hat. I, I had my mother-in-law uh, sew this um, patch on it. It's a Ghost Is Born, my favorite Wilco album. And before we get started, I just want to give a shout out to Jeff Tweedy, the hardest working man in the music business. I don't know if you're a Wilco fan, but Tweedy just like never stops putting out albums, which is fantastic. I, I do like Wilco, although I will note that while the hat looks awesome. You've chosen the worst form of musical media to display <laughs> the hat, because uh, like while vinyl has its 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 physical uh, its physical allure, and CDs are clear and MP3s are easy, cassette tapes are just ass. Man, I'll ride or die for cassette tapes. Man, there's I don't know. There's something about the just the jankiness of it that I will I will always love. I I do have I wouldn't call it a sizable cassette collection, but. Um, I got I got some hot shit on tape, Dave. Nice. I don't even have a cassette player anymore. I'm gonna make you I'm gonna make you a tape. I'm gonna make you a cassette mix and mail it to you. I'll I'll, I'll frame the cassette and put it on the wall since I don't have a cassette player. 
I'm going to fly to San Diego when you're least expecting it. And I'm just going to like wrap you in, in cassette tape and you're going to wake up like in a cocoon of tape. That's kind of disturbing. I won't actually do that. Like, what is this extremely, what is this extremely weak? Uh, <laughs> I can't possibly break out of this. Oh, I broke out of it. <laughs> so was that, was that your number one Wilco? No, no, no. I just, I, I just like Wilco. And, you know, I don't have a lot of like band merch. Um, I used to, but I, and I, I've selectively been getting band merch now that I'm, I, I can wear it unironically. As an old man, you just wear the shirt of the band you like. And I just find myself wanting to get a lot of Wilco merch. And I'm like, I, I can't have just Wilco merch. On that note, when we, we went to a Steely Dan concert a couple of years back and I bought a Steely Dan shirt. And without fail, every time I wear that shirt, an old guy, and by old I mean people who are, you know, probably 20 years older than me or more, will come up and just chat, start chatting me up about Steely Dan. So if I'm feeling lonely, I just got to, you know, don that Steely Dan shirt and go down and hang out at the car wash and I'll make a friend. All right, Dave, what's your first topic for today? My first topic for today is electronic game music. Are you talking about like like classic soundtracks, like like getting Zelda on vinyl, or are you talking about like chiptune music? Um, a little bit of both. So my my daughter, my oldest daughter, Abigail, she's 11, and she really likes, there's a couple of games like Undertale and Hollow Knight that were engineered overwhelmingly by one person. And that person also sort of did the soundtrack on these, these MIDI, uh, MIDI computer programs. And, you know, in the case of Undertale, which was done by a guy named Toby Fox, he's a musician first and foremost, and he does a lot of game music. So she loves this music and she will sit up in her room and listen to it for hours on end. And I asked her to make me a playlist because I wanted to talk about this on the podcast. And it's really good. You know, it spans a lot of different genres and it's meant to really tell a story. Um, and it sort of feels like a descendant of classical music in, in a lot of ways. So, and then, you know, there was, there's, there's obviously you go back to the eighties, there's some really remarkable music that, companies were able to put into these old 16-bit games like Zelda and Mario. You know, you bring up Tetris and the first thing you think about is dun, 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 you know, and you know, the, the, it's, it's not like they were able to do a lot technically, but they did a lot with a little. Oh yeah. I mean, I think the, those, it was like part of the soundtrack of anyone's youth is the video games they listen to. What was that uh, racing game they had at the round table pizza? on Alamo Drive. Was it uh, Pole Position? It might have been Pole Position, Outrun. I think they had Pole Position, but then they had out, Outrun was the other one. And Outrun is the one that had the really dope soundtrack. Now, I, I'm curious like about the creation of Chiptune. Like, I know nothing about this, so you can educate me, but like, is this stuff people are doing in GarageBand or do they have like little sequencers or like what's the... I think, you know, on a basic level, a lot of people could do, could do it and are doing it in a garage band, but the ones who are really serious about it are, you know, getting synthesizers and things like that um, to, to, and having special, they have special equipment to do it on. You know, in the case of Undertale, the game is, you know, visually really basic. Um, and, you know, you, when you look at it, you can tell it, you, this was something that was put together by one guy. And there's a lot of interesting game elements in the game where, you know, instead of just going around killing everything, you could do a pacifist run where 
you spare everybody, but you don't just spare them. You have to like convince them to let you spare them and to stop to opt out of the battle. You know, so instead of attacking, you're complimenting the person or making a joke or something. Uh, so it's it, it's it. I can see why she's drawn to this, and the music sort of plays on that because it, it, you know embedded in the game is a real silliness, and you know there's a couple of songs that sound like you know farts or something they're, they're very silly and fun all right what's your topic all right dude barbershop quartets <laughs> no the first thing that pops into my mind with that is the b sharps from the simpsons i was just thinking about like it this this is kind of a lost art right like one especially during the pandemic we don't have barbershops anymore but like I don't. I, I know nothing about barbershop quartets historically, mind you. But I imagine back in the day, you'd go in to get a haircut, and and that would be the entertainment while you were getting a haircut. And like that does does not happen nowadays. Like when I go into uh, whatever, I I can't even remember what my barbershop is called. <laughs> when I go into the place where they cut my hair, uh, it's just like top forty. I think the Floby is going to make a, a resurgence. I read recently that George Clooney uses the Floby. And Clooney uses it. I mean, let's be honest. It's good enough for anybody. Uh, the other thing that comes to mind for barbershop quartets is there is a barbershop quartet at Disneyland called the Dapper Dans. And Abigail used to love the Dapper Dans. There was like this Disneyland app, and she would go over to the Dapper Dans area and listen to them sing and just really was into the Dapper Dans. So did, did acapella groups flow from uh, barbershop quartets? Probably, or it's a similar like musical family. To be in a barbershop quartet, do you have to have one of those straw boater hats, like officially? I think it's required. And you have to wear a white suit. With a vest. What's your second topic? Okay, my second topic is novelty comedy songs. Like Lonely Island? Yeah, Lonely Island. The thing that brought this to mind was the Tiny Horse song on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> Which which was amazing. If you haven't if you haven't seen it, go to Timothy Chalamet Chalamet Tim, Tim Timothy Timothy Chalamet. Yes, he uh, sings about a tiny horse, and there's literally a little tiny horse, and it's hilarious. The Too Many Cooks song, which as I say the name, it's getting stuck in my head again. And then that. Oh man, that was the classic. That that was an absurdist classic of both video and audio, which should live on forever. And then the other thing was uh, Lazy Sunday, um, which had the, the gunshot at the end, which just made the song. I was thinking the other day about the Natalie Portman rap from one of those. <laughs> like, that to me was like a, a landmark event because that was like kind of at the beginning of their whole thing. And, and I think that one definitely stood out. I think the three to me that stand out were definitely like Lazy Sunday, the Natalie Portman rap, and then um, Dick in a Box. Well, and you know, speaking of, I don't know, speaking of nothing, Apropos of nothing, <laughs> our, our, our listenership has exponentially grown since we posted the first podcast. It went from two, you and I, and then uh, I know for a fact your brother listened to it and my mom listened to it. So now we have four, four listeners. Dope. I can't get Abigail to listen to it. If she does listen to it, the code word is armadillo. That's how I know she really listened. But here's the deal. Did they subscribe on Spotify? Because I don't want any casual listeners. I'm pretty sure my mom does not have a Spotify account. I actually tried to convince Marlo the other day that tiny horses existed. Speak of the devil. Speak of the devil. There she is. Hey, come on in. You're hungry? Yeah. Well, I'm doing a podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> what's her, what's Marlo's what's Marlo's go-to food? Noodles with parmesan cheese on top. So what she likes is she any type of noodle but preferably shells and then you put 
Parmesan cheese, but only one type. It has to be the type from Safeway. And then you have to microwave it for 30 seconds so it gets a little bit crunchy. And then after awesome. the noodles with the parm are done, she wants the parm just on a plate, put in the microwave so it turns into like a Parmesan crisp. And then that is her jam right now. Not going to lie, that sounds amazing. It is really good, yeah. But like when you eat that for every meal, is she going to get a coronary? It's too much cheese and carbs, I think. But you know what? The kids' constitutions are amazing. Uh, my kids, my youngest, Penelope, pretty much all she'll eat is mac and cheese and bagels. And uh, she's been really into cucumbers lately. So we've been buying cucumbers. Yes. Nice. Something green. I know Mars decided that she was going to eat spinach this week, which is great. It's like, all right. Yes, you can have spinach. <laughs> Well, my family loves red vines, so we'll buy a big pack of red vines, and they'll be gone. And the other day, I went into the pantry, and there were some red vines on the shelf, like, hidden back there. I'm like, oh, some red vines we forgot, so I sent them out on the calendar. Excuse me, counter. And I got yelled at by Abigail. She's like, you took my secret red vines out of the, the pantry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, speaking of uh, red vines, another Wayne's World reference, but do you remember they had the, in Garth's car, in where the uh, dome light should be they had the little red vine dispenser you could pull it out and then they had a little thing you could cut it off like endless red vines you know that that flows in nicely with one of my other topics which was songs well used in movies which i think bohemian rhapsody really had a, a resurgence after its appearance in wayne's world i think it was a bigger i could be wrong about this but i think it was a bigger hit it came out after that movie it was like re-released as a sing single and i think it charted higher than it did originally which is amazing one of my favorite uses of songs in a movie was from Shaun of the dead and i don't know if you've seen Shaun of the dead which if you haven't it's amazing but at one point they're in a bar and the zombies are breaking in and uh somebody knocks the jukebox and the song don't stop me now from uh queen comes on and it's just it's a great like the tempo of the song is perfect. And as they're beating the zombies, they're like beating them to the beat of the song. It's great. I'm like racking my brain to think of any song that has appeared in a movie. You know, one that I know that you'll you'll perk up about is Wes Anderson, because he's always really great about using songs in his movies. I, I can think of two just from Royal Tenenbaums. The scene where the scene with uh, me, and, uh, me and Julio down by the schoolyard where Royal is taking the kids out uh, and they ride on the back of the, of the garbage truck. Excellent use of song and movie, but that song is great just by itself. Um, and then um, Velvet Underground, when when um, yeah, Gwyneth Paltrow's character is getting off a bus and and Richie is picking her up, and she's kind of like walking in slow motion. Um, yeah, Wes Anderson is definitely like just the tempo and and the staging of of the scenes when the music comes in. It, he he has a style and it's really effective. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, you know, there's another another song I really liked because I think Quentin Tarantino is another one that uses songs really well in his movies. And in the movie Inglorious Bastards, he has the theme from Cat People, which was also used in another song, a movie which I'm assuming was called Cat People. I haven't seen it, um, but its use in Inglorious Bastards was amazing. Uh, Giorgio, is it Giorgio Moroder? Uh, I think it's actually another David Bowie song. It's a 1982 American erotic horror film. Yeah, Giorgio Moroder composed the film score, including the theme song, which fe features lyrics and vocals by David Bowie. Look at that, Dave. Our, our musical knowledge is coming together. Synergy. Both getting the answer right in different ways. Uh, we skipped over my, my second one. Can I, can I drop it on you? 
Absolutely. Because I think you're going to like this one. This is only tangentially related to music. And this is specific to our childhood. But I think everyone who went to junior high school, specifically junior high school in the 80s and 90s, might have had a similar experience. The epic, the one and only rapper rocker fight. I knew you were going to say that. That was amazing. So we both went to Vacapina, Vacapinas Middle School in Vacaville. Yeah, I remember everybody was like either a rapper or a rocker. I think at the time I was a rapper because I wore the starter parkas and listened to MC Hammer. And they just kind of went out and stood in the field. And there was a rumor that someone had a knife and everybody cut like one period of classes, except for uh, my friend Dan Lemus, who did, who had perfect attendance from kindergarten through <laughs> through high school. I remember I was in uh, sixth period history class. We were in the portables and I could see it happening. And it was like, it's go time. And in my mind, in my mind, I definitely had a pair of nunchucks. <laughs> <laughs> so were you a rapper or a rocker? Oh, definitely a rapper. But what I don't understand is like, it's funny at that time, like you could, you definitely couldn't be both. What were your credentials? Did you have to present credentials? Was it just the starter jacket? My credentials were the starter jacket. What were you wearing if you were a rocker? Flannel. I still dress, I still dress like I, I live in 1993. Like I'm in, like I'm in singles. <laughs> like I'm in a Cameron Crowe movie. I, li- I definitely listened to a lot of R&B. So I think that I was spiritually more of a, a rapper. And I didn't really listen to that much music. I remember Two Live Crew was was really big at the time, and that was they, they were like the first really naughty band, right? They had uh, uh, Me So Horny and all these songs, and I think they were the reason why parental advisory stickers were made. Dude, did you watch, going on a tangent here, but did you watch the um, Hip Hop Evolution series on Netflix? I didn't. It's fantastic. You should watch it. But there's a whole episode on, on uh, like Miami bass sound. Anyway, it's great. You should watch it. Yeah, that rapper rocker fight, though, like, I feel like it's one of those things that lived on in the memory of what people wanted it to be more than what it actually was. It became a formative moment. Yeah, it probably lasted five minutes and involved 15 people. But in my head, it was an army of people standing out in the field, snarling at each other. When you live in a place where not much happens and you go to a school where not much happens and something happens, (laughs) that thing (laughs) takes on... (laughs) weight it's like oh my god this thing is amazing especially at like that school i'm sure that other other people remember not so fondly of their junior high schools as being devoid of any character but that school felt like really did feel like a prison it was designed in a maze kind of format it was like you can't get out any door that you come in you have to then like circle back around to the other side and you you couldn't there were no sight lines it was like (laughs) What was the name of that psychologist that came up with the idea for the prison where the guards sit in the middle and all the cells? The panopticon? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> exactly. It was. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. I remember there were, there were only two times I ever got detention. One was in uh, fifth grade. The bell rang and we were supposed to go back to class. And on the way back, I like hit a tetherball. And the, the, the yard duty was like, you! Detention! <laughs> And then Damn, the second dude. time was uh, <laughs> at Vacapina. I think, I don't even remember whose locker it was, but I was walking by and I like kicked, like hit someone's locker closed. <laughs> like total dick move. But like that, I definitely think I deserved detention for. And now look at you now. I mean, unshaven, wearing a Wilco hat. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hit me with another topic. Uh, Storytelling songs. So I was listening to the song Hurricane by Bob Dylan the other day. And I just, I really love the way that that song is able to boil down a really complex story. Well, and it boils it down to to like seven minutes. It's long as hell. But um, I just, I really love that song. And it feels as if the, 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 production of the song feels as if he just grabbed like a bunch of people and brought them in the studio and just recorded the first the first cut that they made the song is the story of reuben carter who was imprisoned for a murder that he didn't commit speaking of storytelling songs the song it was a very good year by frank sinatra at first i thought you were gonna say today was a good day by uh, ice cube by ice cube i mean we could like you could write a dissertation comparing these two songs, I think. When I was 17, it was a very good year. It was a very good year for small town girls. And soft summer nights, we'd hide from the lights on the village green when I was 17. And it goes on from there to describe his age 21, 35, and then when he is old. So I'm going to quote uh, Ice Cubes. Today was a good day. Just waking up in the morning. Gotta thank God. I don't know how, but today seems kind of odd. No barking from the dog, no smog. And mama cooked a breakfast with no hog. <laughs> I got my grub on, but I didn't pig out. <laughs> no, there was somebody who went and analyzed all the lyrics in the song and actually figured out the date that it was on. I think I'm at the stage of life where I recognize that song more as... Um... Uh, as an Isley Brothers song. Well, that's the thing, right? A lot of these these newer artists will get a hit off of a sample of an already great song. A lot of these, especially in hip hop, a lot of these guys were kids coming out of you know lower income areas and didn't necessarily have any musical training, but they knew they wanted to make music, right? They had that in their soul, and so they used the the records of their parents or whatever they were able to get a hold on and and put put together a backing track that they could rap over. And I think that's sort of the origin. All right, dude, I got one more topic for you. All right, the traveling Wilburys. Oh man, okay. So that that was an epic lineup. Can you go through the lineup? Yeah, uh, Roy Orbison, um, Tom Petty, George Harrison, uh, Jeff Lynne, right? Who am I missing? How did I miss Bob Dylan? Oh, Bob Dylan. I like how I got Jeff Lynne, but not Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan, he's amazing. And he's produced so much music, I don't think I could ever even find all of his music. He just signed over his whole catalog to somebody, to to some company. You know, I think as a musician, like you want you want the work to to have a life beyond you, right? And so it makes sense to kind of like, Find a steward of your music. This is kind of cool because we're bookending with Dylan, right? We talked about Hurricane at the beginning of the podcast, and now we're closing with discussion of, of Dylan. He won the Nobel Prize for Literature. I think there's a lot of times where we've wanted to anoint a rock supergroup, right? But there's very few times that it's actually happened, and this was this was probably the most prominent example of that. I can't think of any other group that had that many like artists who were stars, established for many, many years, and came together and then made pretty good music. I mean, of that group, I, I think this this is going to be a underdog choice, but I think Tom Petty might, might be my favorite of those artists. You know, Tom Petty is pretty awesome. And, you know, when you go and listen to some of their old albums, conceptually, their albums are really tight. Uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. My favorite is actually Wildflowers. I was going to say the same thing. I love Wildflowers. I don't think the Heartbreakers played on that album. I think that was just a Tom Petty album. Really? That album is so good. So the Traveling Wilburys came out in 88. 
that's when they they got together and George Harrison had just released Cloud Nine, his album in 1987, which I think had that like his biggest hit. What was that song called? Got my mind set on yeah. you. Got my mind set on you. Yeah, so Got My Mind Set on You had been had come out like right before they got together. So that's it's just interesting because arguably George Harrison probably was like the biggest star at that time. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, right? He was when he, when he was in the Beatles, he didn't do a lot of the songwriting, but he went on to have, I think, probably the most interesting career in, in the Beatles, um, following the dissolution dissolution of the group. I'm really fascinated by. It. I know that the Beatles are kind of a boring topic for a lot of people because it's like, what else are you going to say about it? But the the idea of like what was the best um, post breakup album by a former Beatle. That I think is actually a really fascinating conversation because Lennon is Lennon, right? Like the rest of the music he made before he died was great. George Harrison made some awesome albums. I mean, not least of which is uh, All Things Must, Must, Must Pass, which just turned 50. That album is incredible. And in some ways you have to think like uh, Lennon and McCartney like kind of didn't let him <laughs> like bring his songs. Like he got, he got maybe a couple songs uh, each on the last couple albums, but he just had this whole backlog of like incredible music. And finally he was like, and now I'm going to put it out. Um, I would argue that, that, that uh, all things must pass is probably the best album of a former Beatle. McCartney's made some awesome music, but um, it's hard to say like what, which album like was like, like if you really made like a cohesive artistic statement, I mean, you could say McCartney one was really interesting because it was like this, this like, um document of his grief of like losing his band um i I haven't listened to the new mccartney that just came out but i'm curious to listen to it supposedly it's really good so there is a lego set that you can get of it's 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 a mosaic and you can remake it into any of the four Beatles. and this makes me want to go get it and make a a george harrison mosaic (laughs) you should totally do it i you know i would but they're really overpriced they're like 120 dollars I know, but all these Legos are overpriced and you, you're going to end up getting it because it's just, it's your hobby. It's okay. Here's the thing. Like, I think people should just spend the money on, if you have the money, spend the money on things you like. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I do that. And I need to not do that as much. <laughs> I've been kind of splurging lately on cooking um, equipment. See, that's the wise purchases though. I just got a Vitamix uh, blender. I don't know if you're a a blender stand or, or anything, but the Vitamix is kind of like the blender. And uh, it's pretty amazing. I made salsa this morning and I'm living my, my salsa dreams. <laughs> that sounds awesome. I'm, I'm so hungry right now. When we're done, I'm going to go out and buy a giant burrito. So I'm glad we got to really reminisce about the rapper, rapper rocker fight. Um, I feel like now I feel like we'd be on the same side, but I do wonder if we ended up on different sides, if, if I could go through with uh, hitting you with a rusty chain. Yeah, if, if I was in the, the rapper, rapper rocker fight today, I think I definitely would be a rocker. But I would be like sort of, uh, you know, the cool, mellow, adult contemporary rocker. <laughs> You'd be a dad rocker, if I dare say so. To, to close out, what's your, what's your favorite um, album that you're listening to right now? Oh, man. Um, Kraftwerk just uh, put out... Um, or I guess over the last year, there's been a bunch of like new Kraftwerk records put out on vinyl. And I never had any Kraftwerk on vinyl before. Um, and I used to listen to Kraftwerk a lot. 
Um, and so I've been listening to them, been super into that. Also, um, I've been really into John Coltrane, Giant Steps lately. Listen to a lot of Stereo Lab. One of my favorite albums that came out this year was by an Irish band called Fontaine's DC. I don't know if you've heard of them before, but I would highly recommend it. What about you? So I've been listening to um, some Dylan lately. Also, there's a Regina Spector. She has a live album from London that has a, that's really good. I've been listening to that. Um, I don't listen to nearly as much music as you do, though. Well, all right, Old Scratch. It was good talking today about music. Nice to talk to you, Norman Spockwell. Um, we, <laughs> we'll be back next week to talk about Japan. See you later, alligator. And this has been a transmission from the Planet of the Meerkats, and Dave just knocked over his Americano. <laughs>